Why is it we humans get romanced by complexity when the answers can be found at a simple and practical level? This is the Simply Practically Human podcast, where the human manager, Mark Labasque, features experts who have a track record in humanizing workplaces, using simplicity and practicality as their go-to approach. It's all about getting back to what it is to be human and watch workplaces thrive rather than just survive. Hey, it's Mark Labusky here for the Simply Practically Human podcast. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Raf Barron, who is an expert in coaching people on giving and receiving feedback. Now, today in this episode, Raf talks about some amazing things around why is it that we're vaguely positive with feedback but detailed negative? Why do we see feedback as just part of our job and not something more than that, more of a conversation than some sort of confrontation or conflict? Why is it that we have to have such a structured script when we go into a feedback conversation and when emotion kicks in, we just go straight off script? And finally, he talks a little bit about, within a very humorous way, the feedback sandwich. So strap yourself in, sit back and listen to an expert in feedback, share some of his tips on how you can make feedback more simple, more practical and more human. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Raf Barron, who is an amazing feedback coach. And uh, Raf's going to talk to us today about feedback and how to humanise that in workplaces and some of his practical and simple tips. But Raf, before we get to that, I just wonder, can you recall how we connected? Absolutely. It's just the power of social media and, and LinkedIn itself. What happens when you show up and start engaging with like-minded people, you get to know more and more of them. So I was connected with Mike Vacanti for a quite while on LinkedIn. And as he started his human first movement, you were one of the first, the first speaker at his event in state. So I got to see you and Claude Silver for the first time. And I was like, oh, those folks are like-minded. It's good, it's good to be connected with them. And as we connected, we start engaging, having conversation online. Then we took it to the uh, video call and we resonated. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I I think we've talked a bit about on this podcast about the power of social media and particularly LinkedIn. And, you know, Claude introduced me to Mike in a roundabout way. Mike introduced me to you and we've had a conversation. And and one of the things I really enjoyed in our first few conversations was was learning more about your backstory, just about you as a human being. And I'd, I'd love you to share with my listeners just a little bit about your backstory, if you wouldn't mind. Absolutely. Who I am today, I am hugely influenced by sports. So I'm an athlete. I've done freestyle wrestling for 14 years. And throughout my childhood, wrestling told me everything. And I'm not talking about the, the, the sports side. It was the first place that I belonged to, that I could really be part of something. It was, it was an escape from my own reality. And it told me so much. I discovered growth mindset through that. And I shaped my core values, how I approach the respect, everything through it. So who I am today, is driven by being an athlete. Fantastic. And what are some of the other things, if you think you're being in athletics, just a little bit about where you grew up, Raf, just a little bit more about that, if you wouldn't mind. So I'm, I'm from Poland. I grew up in, in the city called Ruda Śląska. And as I said earlier, there is, there is not much to do around and, and sport gave me the escape from the real, what the reality really was. Bit of a background, my, I grew up in Poland, which is post-Soviet country. So the reality that I grew in was completely different to what it is today and to, to what you guys know, which is quite funny, moving to UK, 
and now I'm here for 13 years, people telling, you know, did you have this as a kid in your childhood? Oh, how was it in, you know, your TV and everything? I didn't know that. It was a completely different reality. And my friends laugh about it today. Like, you know, you're from post-Soviet country, but it's a different reality that actually I grew up, honestly. And the way I was brought up wasn't entirely with the human values that I represent today myself. Even though I grew with the sport, the values that I've been told, they wouldn't as human as it's supposed to, if I'm honest with you. Okay, thanks for sharing that. I think that there's some really um, really powerful messages in there. Hey, let's move into the, I guess, the broader passion for feedback for you. And, um, you know, again, you've shared some amazing stories with me uh, about those little moments in time where you started to realise about the power of feedback. What's driven your passion to become an expert in, in feedback? There is one particular moment that defined my approach to feedback and I decided to go really deep into that topic. So that was more than two years ago now. I've decided to provide completely unsolicited feedback to a manager who completely blew me away. She worked in the restaurant and I wanted to simply let her know how she makes me feel as a human being, as a guest, but also what I think about her as a fellow manager. And so I was a little bit hesitant, should I really do it? Because I don't know her, how she will take it. And I think those, those are the conversations that we all have in our head, even with our employees before we provide the feedback, how the person will respond. But I decide to provide that feedback and I found the opportunity for it. And I anticipated numbers of different responses, but one. Towards the end, I can see how she's holding back the tears. She said, Raph, eight months into management and nobody told me specifically what I'm great at. All I know is every single time when I made a mistake. And at the end of this conversation, I realized we're looking at feedback from very limited angle. We're looking through the lens of being professional, but we don't really acknowledge the emotional impact of it. Think about it eight months being in a dark room without feedback, what you're doing great. Think about you go back home and you're wondering, am I good enough? This is my first job as the manager. Am I doing well for my people? And I truly believe every manager starts his job when you first get promoted with this grand vision, I'll be the great leader, I'll look after my people. And then nobody shows you how to do that. Or we've been given wrong sets of rules, how to manage, how to provide feedback. And so eventually, because we have to deliver results, we are using the formal authority that we've been given. We're walking away from those human values that we pledged, that we promised ourselves to keep up to to use in day, on a daily basis. And that made me realize there's so much more with feedback. And so I started looking at it from completely human perspective and an emotional perspective. That's an amazing story. And I think that, you know, that whole idea that someone who hadn't received any feedback in eight months and, and that, that simple thing of how they would have been going home each night, just thinking, I wonder if I'm doing a good job. Because, you know, as a survival species that we humans are, we're always thinking about bad before we think about good. And if we don't, can't make sense of anything, we go straight to bad. So it's so good to hear that, uh, I guess to, I call it a simple moment, but a very powerful moment has given you the passion to do the work that you are doing now, which I know is having a significant impact on, on the people that you work with. Let's take that now to a, an organisational lens, a, a bit broader. Talk to the listeners about organisations that are putting more of a human emphasis on feedback. Why are they doing that? And how are they doing it? And, and then I guess the third thing, what, what are the results? So why do they do it? How do they do it? And what are you seeing happening? If you look at the organizations that are absolutely now in front in terms of focusing on human beings, 
and how they deliver the results, what happens is they realize that we cannot segregate professional life and personal life. We are human first before we are employees. And so they build the entire structure and the way they operate by acknowledging and putting our human needs into perspective, into usage. So you have those famous 20% of your free time at Google, and so you can do on your own spare time whatever you wish to. People granting you autonomy and trust that you have companies with unlimited time off, if you'd like, you get flexible hours. You can come to work wherever you feel like as long as you do the job. So there is huge amount of trust being extended towards you. And you as a human being, we are wired to reciprocate that. And so those companies actually create a safe environment, psychological safe environment. And the byproduct of that is feedback conversations are a lot more easier because we're not approaching it anymore with the guards up. We see each other as a human being. So I understand that your intent, Mark, is to help me. You are with me, not against me. So having that environment around you makes you feel safe. And so if you start a conversation, I'm already in a receptive state because I understand your intention. I know your intention is good. What we have to do now is to take the same concept and look at feedback and then build the format around the same needs, human needs. So we've got the structures now, how we work as, as a company. So now, if you want to really create healthy feedback culture, you have to use the same principles and look at feedback in and where do they fit and how, how we have to change things to accommodate our human needs. Yeah, I love that. I think that like, the word you used, the, the, the F word, which is feel, this whole idea that, you know, it's about bringing feelings into feedback. I, one of the things I've noticed that's starting to shift, which is terrific, is uh, less of the use of the word think and more of the use of the word feel. And I think the word feel is really about humanising that process. I also love that thing about you cannot segregate the human life. In, in my last podcast, my, my guest talked about you know, human resources. Some people see them as humans and some people see them as resources. And, and I think that hits on that point. We are a human being and we expect to be treated that way regardless of, of where we are. Thank you for that. So sort of into what I call the, the meaty bit of the, of the podcast, as a feedback expert and as someone who is, is passionate about helping this to become a more human thing, my listeners will be absolutely on the edge of their seats wanting to know three simple and practical tools and tips that, that Raf Barron, as a feedback expert, can give. What would those three things be? Simple and practical. Absolutely. So the first one, I would like to take this opportunity and introduce you people and ask and challenge you to start thinking about feedback conversation differently. Stop thinking about providing feedback and start thinking about feedback conversations. One of the reasons why we are where we are today with feedback, and feedback has such a bad label, is because we're thinking, well, I have to provide feedback, which is part of my job. And as soon as I provide the feedback, my responsibility ends here, which isn't, because there is not much support behind. Think about entering conversation, right? Would you told off your child for misbehaving, period, or would you have a conversation around his behaviors? With your child, you would have the latter. The same thing at work. So feedback conversations, not providing feedback. And secondly, what happens is it indicates that there is a format. There is a structure to follow. Well, I'm sorry to tell you guys, but there isn't. People will throw a curveball at you because we all go emotional at it. And if you have a script to follow, the minute things go emotional, you can put that script into the bin. And so you either start using your formal authority or, you know what, 
maybe I shouldn't even provide a feedback just in case it goes wrong way around, okay? So feedback conversations, not how to provide feedback. Okay, and um, I think there's some really great things here, not a structured script, like as you said, and these conversations, these feedback uh, moments can actually become very emotional. And I'm sure people that are listening, and, and you'll know this as I do, when you've had to give you know, feedback in a structured way, sometimes what comes out of your mouth is actually not what was in your head because somewhere in there we, we get a mix-up of emotions. Have you got any tips, anything else practical for our listeners around that moment in time where you are speaking but the words that you're saying aren't the words that you want to say? What, what would you tell them would be useful? So uh, in dark terms, I've learned a very valuable lesson actually with my older son, Nathan. And we spoke earlier about the feelings. So my next tip actually is ask yourself before the conversation, how do I want the person at the end of this conversation feel and how I want to feel? I once approached a conversation with my son and I thought it was a very simple conversation around the school and his commitments. As soon as he entered the room, everything literally went the wrong way around. I forgot what I want him to feel at the end and how I want to feel. And the conversation took completely wrong way around. And I used the formal authority approach instead of supporting parent approach because I discarded the feelings. So ask yourself how I want to feel at the end, how I want you to feel. I want you to be motivated. I want you to actually being held accountable. I want you to understand that you've disappointed me or you disappointed your own values, what that is. Because if you ask yourself right at the beginning before the conversation takes place, it will dictate how you show up in a conversation. It will remind you, this is a conversation where emotions will be part of it. Yeah. So always ask yourself how you feel. Again, that thing around emotions and uh, and feeling versus thinking. And again, as I said before, I'm sure there are people listening that are, are sitting here now going, I only wish I had have known this before I had that conversation earlier today or maybe last week. So really, really useful, practical tools and tips. Simplicity and complexity. I believe as human beings, for some reason, and uh, we have become like moths to a flame, the flame of complexity. It seems to draw us in and we're attracted to it rather than getting back to the simple, practical things of being human. Why do you think it is, in, particularly in the space of feedback, that humans are looking for complex ways to navigate their way through this rather than back to the simplicity that you've already mentioned? What, what's going on, do you think? <laughs> it's a very interesting question because if I'm totally honest with you, there are books that I'm reading around feedback or content that I'm consuming and I'm confused with what the, what the person wants to convey. It's just... It's what I said earlier about those feedback formulas and formulas. Like we complicate it so much as if there is some magic formulas to follow or in a way, actually, what I believe as a general thing, we go into complexity because, well, I'm not an average person, right? An average person doesn't do simple and easy things. Those are for others. I'm more than that. So I need to find that complexity. I need to make my life harder to look myself smarter and to look myself better. And so we start using the words and terms that most people don't even understand. We're working in multicultural teams nowadays. I worked with managers, and to be quite frank, they're using words and terms that I literally had to walk away and Google. But <laughs> it's just not the way. It's not, you're not going to connect with me because what I actually, how it translates to me, and this is the interesting part, how it translates immediately to me is you are leveraging your status by diminishing mine because you make yourself feel smart and make me feel dumb, right? And we are highly wired as a human beings to understand where do I fit in that tribe, in the work environment or home environment. And sensing and looking for the status where we fit into it is one of it. And so if you sound very smart, then I can understand 
how it translates to me in a simple method, in simple terms is, well, I'm not as smart as you are. And so you basically, you blow my candle off to make your one, you know, shine brighter. Yeah. It puts me off from engaging with you, actually. And so in terms of feedback, we're making it so complicated. It's just a conversation. We need to understand that everyone craves feedback, actually. Yeah. And what we don't like is the experience around it, is the tension that potentially may arise, is the feeling of being judged. So tackle that first because you, me, everyone wants feedback because we understand. If I get feedback, I get better. If I get better, I can chase my dreams. I can provide better for my family, for those how, who I love. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, looking smarter, looking better than someone else, and I need to be more than them in order to do that. Something just, just popped into my mind now, and I, I hope that you'll share some thoughts around this. Had some conversations recently with some clients around feedback, and they were talking about the words that came up for them were conflict and confrontation. And, and my yeah. response was, what if you exchange those two words for conversation. Why is it again that we want to use those first two words when we're representing feedback rather than a conversation? What, what's going on for us? I think it's just a bad track of experience from the past when we don't handle conversation well. They do turn into tension and then eventually into conflict, whether it's direct with the manager or actually in our own head, we battle against the feedback. Because like I said earlier on, we don't approach it from the emotional perspective. So if I have a conversation with you as, as my manager, I need to understand what is your intent, right? Would you like to help me or, or not? And one sentence can flick the script in my own head. One sentence can make me feel that I'm not good enough or you against me. So just a simple example, imagine you go back home and you haven't done your bin, your, your trash, you didn't took your, your bins out and your partner tells you, you never take the bins out. Well, in that particular, literally in that second, you know it's not true because it's not never, maybe recently, maybe not today, but you've used the word never, which I know is a lie, you know is a lie. So hold on, what's your intention? Right? Are you trying to hurt me? Are you trying to go against me? And it's not something that we consciously go through in our heads, through the pattern, but that's how it feels like. That's how we receive it. We are always late because you take time to get ready for the, for the night out. It's not always, most of the time, maybe, but it's not always. But why are you being unfair to me, right? It's one of our primary needs. We scan for fairness, for being treated fairly, right? Yeah. And so if you just simply, as you, you only use those two words, never and always, it's very easy to trigger. And because you, conversation started and I'm already triggered, now I'm questioning in the back of my head your intention, then my behavior will show up and I will look for cues to support my belief that you're against me. And I will pick up on them biasly and use them against you. And then therefore, we end up in conflict towards the end. The intention is great at the start, but because we approach the feedback from the wrong angle, then it turns into conflict. And so again, we are human beings. We are biased. If I had five conversations that end up badly and two that end up good, in my head, feedback is bad. I'm yeah. labeling as something that's unsafe. And so we're using now those words because we associate feedback that way, which is, shouldn't be that way. And um, it's interesting, you know, I haven't thought about it to that extent, which is great. This is why it's great to have people like you on experts in, in your field is just one word can have the power to trigger from conversation into confrontation or conflict. I've never thought of it that way. And I'm sure there are people listening here going, wow, I need to be really conscious of the words that I start to use. Never, always, things like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Hey, um, the feedback sandwich 
Are you are you are you um, are you familiar with the feedback, Sam? But you know, good news, bad news, and then finish with good news. I, I know I didn't have this scripted as something we were going to talk about, but I'd love to get your thoughts on the value or otherwise of the feedback sandwich. Yes, this is the most common tactics being trained. So, if there's any training that you we've been given around feedback, is the feedback sandwich, and I, and I was trained formally to use that. Now, let me be very honest with you. This technique is designed to make you and the other person feel somehow good about it. We talked about the tension and conflict. So it's designed, somebody come up with the idea, hey, let's just sugarcoat the real issue so we don't have to deal with the conflict. If I make you feel nice right at the beginning, so if I lower your guard, in, in other words, then I just give you the real issue and then I end up in a positive, you know, you will walk away feeling good about yourself and hopefully that, that bad news didn't have too much influence over you, right? Now, in the long run, it's not helpful because number one, employees see through it and they know that you cannot provide the value in terms of helping me, right? So your team will not judge you through your PL and results financially. That's your manager who will do it for you. But your team will judge you through your ability to help them face the challenges and how to navigate through their lives, through those challenges. If you sugarcoat the issues, you're not helping them. You're helping them in the moment to feel somehow good, but they won't be able to solve it. So that's number one. Number two, we are end up in a situation when, okay, so I have to deliver bad news. So what are the two good things that I have to come up with? Come on, rough, quickly, quickly. All right, I like your shoes today, right? So that's the first positive. And second one, you, you blunter something that makes no sense even, just to make sure you've got those two positives versus one negative. And it doesn't actually work, right? You have to segregate the both. Do good separately. And do the challenging part separately. If you end up the challenging in the right way with a solution in mind, people walk away inspired and know now I have an action plan. I love it. If, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. keep going. Yeah, so rather than finishing on positive, finishing on what's the solution to help you navigate through this challenge. And people then... We'll, we'll come back for more. I love it. I think, uh, again, this is great because there's lots of people that have all been through this training, feedback sandwich training, and it's like, you like your shoes and then let's talk about something that's not so good. And then at the end, we usually hear, keep up the good work. And people are yes. like, they're a bit confused. Like, what, 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 what do you mean? You've ended up with something very interesting and I wanted to bring it actually into conversation today because it's, it's a hugely important. You say you, you've ended up with keep up the good work, which means you are vaguely positive, Right. But when you are providing the challenging feedback, you are detailed negative. Yeah. And so you have to be detailed both. Because if you are detailed negative, which we tend to be, because you made a mistake, so I have to drill it down. So make sure you understand and we are all clear. But we end up with vaguely positive, or we start with vaguely positive. So it's great work, good job. You've done very well today. Eventually, what happens is people are like, okay, so it translates back to the intention. What's your intention? What's your real intention? You're vaguely positive, only doing good job to me. Tell me that I'm doing good job. But then when it comes to challenging, you are going at me. That's how it translates. That's how we feel, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what's your intention, Mark. It's how I feel it, how I translate it. And so essentially you're creating a contrast. Well, every single good job is thumbs up. Every single mistake is literally you you coming with a hammer at me and you're nailing it down. And so people will question your intention. Be both. And people will see you as a fair manager, right? Rather than just you just being positive because you have to. You're supposed to deliver this famous five positive versus one negative. And, yeah. But those five positive is just, okay, job, good job, good job. It doesn't count. 
And it's funny coaching, as I'm sure you get this too, I, when I'm coaching people, they, they wonder why they're getting coached because they think they're being fixed. And then I'll ask them a question. So, you know, what does your boss think about your work? And they go, oh, they tell me I do a good job. And I say, well, can you be specific? And they go, no, no, they just tell me I do a good job. And it's like, that's the moment where you've got to ask the next question about, can you tell me more about what I'm doing? Yeah. Let's finish with this one. After the gold you've shared with this uh, podcast today for the listeners, I'm sure they're going to want to know how they can connect with you and how they can find more about the amazing work you are doing. What are the platforms, Raf, to connect? Uh, we mentioned it earlier already, LinkedIn. That's the main, main platform where I am consistently producing content and engaging with people. I'm starting exploring Facebook and, and Instagram just because to challenge my own awkwardness on social media, even though I'm producing video content all the time, I'm not comfortable with sharing not everything as in who I am, because transparency is one of my core values, but I'm just not the social media person. So I'm challenging myself now to be more consistent. So you can find me also Instagram and Facebook and my website, feedbackcoach.co.uk. So those are the three things when I'm, when I'm around. Thanks for sharing that. Raf, it's been incredible having you uh, as a guest on the Simply Practically Human podcast. I am sure the listeners are going to get some amazing um, ideas, some tools and tips to take back in to become much more effective at this mystery of feedback. So thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey there, it's Mark here again. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Raf Barron on Simply Practically Human Ways to Get Into Feedback and to be better at giving feedback. If you like this, why not rate it five stars? And if you loved it, share it with your friends. And be sure to be listening for our next Simply Practically Human podcast. And in the meantime, keep it simple, keep it practical, and keep it human. Bye for now.